Welcome to Stories with Soul. I am your host, Jamie Ice, musician turned entrepreneur and co-founder of 6th Ave Homes and 6th Ave Storytelling. Over the past 10 years, I have launched multiple successful businesses and have become obsessed with all things entrepreneurship and marketing. I've been on a personal quest to unpack what it takes to make and grow a great brand. One thing that I've discovered is that stories are powerful and that storytelling has the power to set a brand apart. Join me as I dive into the stories of the heavy-hitting leaders, entrepreneurs, artists, and business owners in our community to hear their biggest wins, greatest losses, and their best business secrets. There's a story behind every great brand. Welcome to Stories with Soul. Stories with Soul is brought to you by my company, 6th Ave Storytelling. In 2020, we launched a marketing company on a mission to encourage entrepreneurship and make starting and growing a small business easier than ever before. Since then, we have helped hundreds of small businesses and entrepreneurs grow their brands by giving them the tools, resources, strategy, and support they need to craft and share their stories. If you are thinking about launching and growing your own brand, schedule a meetup with me today. I would love to talk to you. Head over to 6thAvStorytelling.com and let me show you how the storytelling approach can transform your marketing strategy. Welcome to Stories with Soul. I am your host, Jamie Ice. I am joined by Texas legend, Pat Green. Pat, <laughs> legend, legend's a big word. Hey, man, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into that a little bit. So I always kick it off, like reading the bio before we start. Come on, put, bring it. Put you in the hot seat. Tell me how awesome I am. Uh, well, yeah, that's what I'm here for. So Pat is a two-time Grammy nominee. Three-time, thank you. Three-time. Three hey, times. we didn't talk to your management company. because How about that? Uh-uh. <laughs> it said two on the bio. Three times. Don't I don't want to take one of it's those. It's okay. It's a fun little anecdote I don't right there. Take one of those from you. Uh, you perform on Jimmy Kimmel, Fox and Friends, Fox Edge, CMT, Circle Network, The Opry, and The Outdoor Channel. He's been featured in Rolling David Stone. David Letterman. David Letterman. Man, that in there too. We need, to, we need to get a hold of your publicist. Updated bio. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, that was like twenty years ago when I played on Letterman. So. <laughs> but still, it's pretty. It's, I'm, jealous of that. USA Today described Pat as the heartland rocker country music has needed for years. People Magazine called him the Springsteen of the Southwest. He sold over 2 million albums. Is that correct? More than that, but yeah. More than that? I want to say 2.5? No, no big deal. No, more than that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He's charted numerous top 10 country radio singles. He's top billboard and iTunes country charts. He is the most played artist in the history of the Texas Regional Radio Report. When he's off the clock, he's quietly raised millions of dollars for charity through his annual golf tournament at world-famous Pebble Beach, uh, along with his private fundraisers for the Gladney Foundation. He's had 12 number ones at Texas Radio. Accurate or false? That's accurate. Accurate. Okay. 12. Um, He has headlined and sold out the Houston Astrodome. He's toured with Dave Matthews Band, Willie Nelson, Kenny Chesney, and more. Uh, His 14th album, uh, miles and miles is it's your first album. In miles seven, and miles of you, yeah. In, in seven years, that's right. And that comes out uh, this week. This week, this <laughs> yeah. is going to air later, but in reality, it's coming out coming yeah. out this week. So, anyways, man, you have done a lot. That's like well, you can do a lot in twenty five years. I pretty much think anybody can do a lot in twenty five. Yeah, years. Yeah, but you have so, you, so so where I wanted to to kick us off, and I don't know if you're going to agree with me on this, but I I, I feel like. You were one of those artists that kind of changed everything for a for a, a genre, kind of in the way like like when Nirvana came on the scene, it was like all this kind of 80s 
pop stuff. And then they just launched this grunge and, and alternative. And like when Metallica came on, it was like this just different type of like Mumford and yeah. Sons recently kind of launched love, this love whole. That, but love Mumford, this, by the way. But I feel like you, I don't want to say are solely responsible, but in my mind are solely responsible for like creating an industry of like Texas country music. I will say very much like Nirvana and like Mumford, we were the first ones that walked through the door the first time the door got open between like, if, if you really think about what was going on right before me mm -hmm. was Garth Brooks, Clint Black, um, uh, Reba. It was, it was a, it was, it, I'm not going to call it plastic, but it was, it was formulaic yeah. in some parts. Now there are some very, very real parts to it yeah. or else it wouldn't have been as humongously as successful as it was. So don't take anything away from those artists. Yeah. But it, that was just, that was the style of the time. And, the, and there was always Texas music. There's Willie Nelson and Jerry Jeff that's, Walker. That, and, that's the transition part. That's the thing. Willie and Jerry Jeff and Robert Earl and those guys who had never changed their their style to go into Nashville. Now, they all went to Nashville mm -hmm. and all walked away from there with a, with a bad taste in their mouth. Yeah. And decided, you know what, I, I'll just do my thing and hope the world catches up to me. Yeah. So they did that. And, you, and because they did that and they had, there was this middle ground and there was an awareness of really great music like Willie and Jerry Jeff and Robert Earl. When the floodgate opened for a very organic style of music to come around, I was standing there. It wasn't just me. It was me and Jack Ingram. Yeah, but, Randy you, Roger, you, but know. you were the one that I, like, you were the Nirvana in my mind. And well, was, we were definitely the ones, the first one that went from was like, ground zero to... Because it didn't really exist. Like, we now there's... took off. Like, there's people whose sole job is, like, yeah. I have Texas country radio stations. I have Texas country radio promoter. I'm a Texas country... Like, yeah. you created... I don't... Again, you didn't create it, but I feel like you maybe opened the door... I was a part, and I was, an I'm happy to play my part, which is which is freaking cool. Like, I wasn't yeah. sure if, if you were going to take that or not, but I like in my mind, I'm like this thing that is now the, an industry. You you launched and sort of made. I was possible. just standing there, and but you know the truth is that the reason why I was standing there it was because Willie Nelson. Uh, <laughs> I, I I bribed my way onto one of his shows. Like literal, like you I gave really, him money. Yeah, I went. I did this a couple of times throughout my life. I did it with Jack Ingram too. Um, uh, actually, I did it first with Jack Ingram, and it worked so well that um, uh, I tried it on on with Willie Nelson. He was playing in Lubbock, and I went to the bar owner, and I'd been playing uh, shows at the bar because you went to Tech, Tech, yeah, yeah Texas yeah. Tech from nineteen ninety. Took two years off and graduated in 1997. So anyway, uh, in the middle. Um, anyway, so I went to the to the bar and I and I said, "Hey, uh, Willie Nelson wants me to open this show, uh, and, I, and I'll do it for free." But you know, you said Willie Nelson wants to open. Yes, did he, did a total he want to lie, open? <laughs> total bullshit, right? And then I and then when Willie got there in the morning, I was waiting there in the parking lot, and, uh -huh. and you know early in the morning, and and I was like, I was like, hey, who's the tour manager? And they said, hey, it's this guy over here, Pooty Lock, and actually he was the stage manager, but. Anyway, so I walked up to him. I said, "Hey, 
the the bar wants me to be the opening act. I'm doing it for You're free. You're hustling. Totally hustling. And it, long story short, I got to open for Willie that night. And because you like Willie wants it, he asked for me. Yeah, he, he, exactly. <laughs> Total full of shit. Anyway, so that's ballsy. Uh, 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 Pootie Lock, who was the the stage manager, I said, "Look, I'll do two shows for free if you make this happen. If you if, if you'll get me on the Fourth of July picnic, picnic later. Yeah. This is later in the afternoon. If you'll get me on the Fourth of July picnic, I don't care what time. I'll go on at eight o'clock in the morning. I'll do two shows for free at your bar." So I'm hustle within the hustle. Yeah. Right. And so Pootie says, if you'll do those two shows at my bar, I'll get you a slot. So. And were you, did, summer, you did you have like fans and people know, like, were you, were people coming? Oh, your show? there was at least eight or nine. <laughs> Ten. <laughs> and were you good? Like, were you, like, you, we you've were, been, play, you've we been were, playing music for how long by then? Um, That was 94, 95. Uh, I don't know, three, four years. So the so the confidence was, I know I'm good if I, I just want to get I thought it was good enough. Yeah. I mean, and, good enough. And so you hustled and they... they... I mean, I was still a really shitty opening band. Uh. I mean, <laughs> there's no doubt. But anyway, so luckily between that time and, um, and the 4th of July picnic, we recorded a record with Lloyd Maines. And so we kind of really sharpened things up. And um, we was, it was in Lukenbach. And uh, it was a rainy day, as I recall, and we were the literally the first act, mm-hmm. right? And, and it's outside. Oh, of course. Or is it inside? Outside. Oh, okay, gosh, okay. no, no. There was 15,000 people. Wow. Well, there were 15,000 people there for Willie. Yeah. <laughs> there was about 3,000 people there at the time I went on. But um, anyway, we, had, we did two songs. We had 10 minutes, and one of them was a seven-minute jam, and um, the crowd went nuts, and Willie thought there was a fight happening because it was so much noise in the crowd, and he came out and saw me doing my thing, and then from that point on, um, I got to open a lot of shows. Then you all became, like, friends? See- sure. I mean, I mean, we didn't become friends until later. Yeah. I mean, we, I, mean I was... But the, he he was like, there's something going on. I want to have you. Right, right, yeah. right. And 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 it was rather organic that way with Jerry Jeff as well. I was a you, super Did you bribe your way onto that or was it? No, with Jerry Jeff, I pissed him off. Um, I went, he was playing in Lubbock and I'd open the show and, I, you know, there was no connection there. I just, the fraternity hired me to open mm-hmm. for Jerry Jeff. And um, I got done with my show and I... He went on, and then I just stayed in his dressing room until he got done. And I had this guitar that had been signed by everybody I'd ever done a show with, yeah. Guy Clark and Willie and, you know, everybody. Yeah. Jerry Clower, da-da-da. And um, I'm sitting there in the backstage, and I said, I said Mr. Walker, um, this is a very special guitar, and I was very proud to open for you tonight. If you wouldn't mind signing it, I'd appreciate it. He goes, how did you get back here? <laughs> <laughs> he got past everybody. <laughs> I was like, I, like I said, sir, I, I was the opening act, so I've been back here all night. Been waiting, stalking. And so he signed my guitar, and he goes, okay, now I've signed it. You take your special guitar and get the 
out of my nah, dressing room. Who said that? <laughs> yes. It was so beautiful. <laughs> it was the greatest memory. And right? did, did that phase you or uh, you just like, were you just no, have not a, Are you kidding, man? You couldn't stop. I was a freight train. You couldn't stop me at that time. Was, okay. Was, um, unpack the freight train a little bit. Were you always that like, cause, cause like that's both of those are kind of are ballsy. And then to not, this episode is sponsored in part by Pre-Kindle, the platform designed to empower event creators to develop the best experiences possible for their communities. Did you know that Pre-Kindle was actually founded in DFW and is still headquarters in Dallas? Well, now you do. We love local businesses and Pre-Kindle is one of the best. With a best-in-class platform of features, no long-term contracts, low service fees, responsive mobile-friendly event pages, and friendly and attentive support, Pre-Kindle is my personal favorite ticketing and marketing platform for any event. Anytime I'm planning something with my band, Green River Ordinance, Pre-Kindle is our go-to platform to use. With an impressive roster of event creators, venues, and entertainment destinations across the nation, Pre-Kindle's hands down the best. In DFW alone, they've partnered with incredible spaces like the Granada Theater, Panther Island Pavilion, the Kessler, Will Rogers Coliseum, the Fort Worth Modern, Tulips, Grizzly Theater, and more. If you have been to an event or venue in DFW, I promise you have likely been using Pre-Kindle and you didn't even know it. Beyond ticketing, Pre-Kindle also helps automatically promote your event. With over 500,000 subscribers in North Texas and partnerships with event discovery sites like Bands in Town, Spotify, Google, they're set up to also help you spread the word. So go to prekindle.com, that's P-R-E-K-I-N-D-L-E.com and click get started to begin using the platform. They are on a mission to bring your event to life. This episode of Stories with Soul is sponsored in part by Power Biofarms. As we all strive to become better versions of ourselves, sometimes the effort to be more active and less stress can leave you feeling more exhausted than ever before. From unwanted prescription side effects to injuries that won't fully heal, many Texans are left feeling frustrated and without hope or restoration. Power Biofarms provides high-quality, Texas-made CBD and cannabis wellness products without chemicals, solvents, or pricey prescriptions. It's all made right here in DFW, from seed to shelf with the utmost care, quality and transparency. I had the privilege of getting to work with Colt Power, the founder of Power Biofarms earlier this year when Sixth Avenue Storytelling got to help them unpack their language and dive into their brand. And it was crazy cool. Their story is impactful and they're doing some beautiful things. They offer a wide variety of craft products. And yes, it's all 100% legal for adults and incredibly safe. Support this local and growing business by starting your order at powerbiofarms.com. That's P-O-W-E-R-B-I-O-P-H-A-R-M-S.com. I have confidence. I have... As a kid, were you like that? I think I have ambition and I... I I came from a family of 10. I was number eight that's out a, of 10. That's a lot. And so. I, you can't even like go to the grocery store altogether. Right? Uh, yeah. No, not that's in the a, same car. That's a lot. Um, so, no, I, I, I just, I had to make it my own way, you know? And I mean, later after that, after Jerry, Jeff and I became friends and my wife, Corey, we'd go over to his and Susan's house to have dinner all the time. We lived right down the street from them when we lived in Austin. Okay. And, um, and I, every time I tell him that story, that didn't happen. Oh, he, he doesn't, so he doesn't remember it. <laughs> no. He doesn't okay. remember it. I mean, there's a lot of backstage memories that people come to me with that, um, 
<laughs> that I have no recollection uh -huh. either. But, um, but yeah, Jerry Jeff was the one that. Well, I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't know how much closer he is to other artists or anything. I don't want to get into that. But he was the one that made the most sense to me. Mm -hmm. He was very just matter of fact. Here's how it works. If you want to make it work, here's how you do it. So he was kind of kind he of a mentor. Ex oh, very much a mentor. And then I became great friends with the rest of the family, with Jesse Jane and with Django and Susan. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, my kids ended up spending nights of their lives in their in their house when I'm in on tour through Austin. I mean, it it became a a, a real important part mm -hmm. of my life. Jerry Jeff for sure. That's cool. So you so you sort of opening up for these guys. Yeah. Out of college, you you graduate. But didn't you correct me if I'm wrong, didn't you just like start playing guitar and singing and writing later? Like in yeah. like you, you didn't do that in like high school. Or... No. Uh, I had an electric guitar um when i was 17 but when i got to college i, I didn't have an amp <laughs> right and you can't it, it doesn't make right? much noise Those amps were about like 500 bucks you know and i'm yeah. like hey man you know so I, but i could trade in the electric guitar that i had in in for a, a for an acoustic okay and uh I, I got a yamaha um and i played that thing I, you know, I played my fingers to the bone. Just like alone in your room. Well, actually, no, my roommate hated listening to me learn. So I was uh -huh. down in the basement and the, there was a laundromat in the basement of Coleman Hall yeah. at Lubbock at Texas Tech. And um, that's where I. Just in the laundromat. Laundry so kids, kids are coming and trying to do laundry. Yeah. <laughs> I had a girlfriend at the time that um, played guitar, you know, with her youth group. And she had had written down all the chords and their shapes mm -hmm. for me to learn so um and had I, you sung before i knew i could sing i've known i could sing since i was a very young person uh -huh. um i i could belt it and i still can I, were it, you were you loud as a kid I, <laughs> no not only loud but obnoxious as uh -huh. well um yes i i knew i could sing Okay. I, I had watched my father and stepmother perform on local stage. Uh, my dad had played the Music Man. He'd played, uh, well, a, a lot of different um, parts in plays where he had to sing. And so what I really got off on watching him do is singing and controlling the crowd, controlling these people who were watching him do his thing. The entertainment sort yes, of side of it. he was really good at that. Um, no, I didn't, I mean, he was, you know, obviously amateur and, uh, and local, but, um, but he knew how to make people he really feel was good something. At it. Yeah, yeah. He was good at it, but you know, uh, his, his path was in, in finance. So, mm -hmm. um, anyway, he, uh, watch, watching him do that. So did you have an ambitions of like, I want to do that too? Yes. You did? Well, okay. I, mine was different. I was more, okay, so right about the time I fell in love with music was, well, I, first I started with like Zeppelin, The Doors, Jim Croce, um, Janis Joplin, Chris Christopherson, and then I found... So not, not country, you're like... Not really, not rock, at all. You old, know, Zeppelin. Yeah, rock and roll kind of. A lot of rock and roll. Um, but then I found uh, Bruce Springsteen, and Bruce is what, his music is what led me towards 
um, country because I felt like he was kind of a bridge, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he had a lot of this rock and roll overtone, but there was a really, there was a, the stories were. Yeah, very storied. Story it was a story, it. right? It was, mm-hmm. There was a, something to tell. And then I started getting into Cash and Merle Haggard and Willie, and I started kind of figuring out that, man, here's this Springsteen guy that's putting all this music together mm-hmm. in, a, in a big old melting pot. And, um, and I, I was really impressed. Which which Springsteen album? Was there one where you're like, I remember listening to it? Well, I mean, you know, Thunder Road um, led me to uh, Born in the USA. What was that album? Uh, was it Born in the USA? That was, yeah, it was anyway, name anyway, I, It's all song driven for me. Yeah. So I really don't distinguish, but, um, you know, then I started, you know, I heard, you know, Tunnel Love and I, I just started hearing all these things that that all kind of went together so well and i was like okay i need to not only learn how to play guitar but i need to learn how to play guitar and sing at the same time mm-hmm. and that i i think that's probably the bigger challenge and you're in you're in high school and you have to have this thought or you're in no, college? Right, freshman year in college okay i was like man i gotta have all of this together yeah right i mean born in the usa came out i want to say my senior year in high school but all that was happening. Um, I, I think from that point on, um, I just, there was not a piece of music or kind of music that I didn't want to listen to. You and, got kind of, a, you got hooked, you got obsessed. I mean, it just, it didn't really matter. And so you're, and you're listening and getting into it. And then you're also like, I'm going into the basement and I'm singing and playing. Were you writing or uh, were you just practicing? I, had, songs? I started writing in, um, 1994, mm-hmm. um, 93, 93, um, with Corey Morrow, Corey. Okay. So a junior year in college, uh, a friend of mine, uh, David Henry, uh, well, a few of them, David Henry and Paige Blanton and Brian Zentgraff, we were all sitting at the same party and I was playing some songs out on the back porch. I'm sure it was playing Road Goes On Forever and, uh-huh. you know, Pissing in the Wind, whatever it is I was playing. And um, they said, there's a guy named Corey Morrow from Houston that you got to meet. <laughs> and the first time I met him, I was like, hey, he's kind of cocky. you know. But then again, <laughs> I was like, okay, you're kind of cocky too. So, you know, but. Two, um, co- two, two cocky yeah, guys. Yeah, meet, it was, like, it was, like, it was like, it was like a battery, you know, yeah. like. But, um, but we started doing every Wednesday night um, after I, after I did the music for the all Greek Bible study. <laughs> we'd go over to David's apartment, me and Corey, and uh, I don't know, drink a half a gallon of whiskey and two cases of beer mm-hmm. and play country songs. Just, we, we didn't even know what we were going to do. Uh-huh. Right. Well, you know, David had this huge collection of CDs. And so we just throw one in. There's a Don Williams. All right. Yeah. Lord, I wish this day was good. You know, uh-huh. we would, it was, it was, it was magic, right? It was truly the best. Um, it's, the, it's the thing in life for me that I only got one of those, mm-hmm. and I'm really lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you What do you mean by that? One of well, one I of- got I got one set of really great friends. Okay, I mean, okay. we were the, we were I don't know we were just really really tight, and you were just we, it me, was just fun. David Henry, Brian Zintgraf, Corey Morrow, Paige Planton, and a, and a, and a handful of others. 
man, we were there every Wednesday night until the sun came up. We yeah. did not go to Thursday class. Uh-huh. And there's no ambition. It's like, we're just having fun. Yes. Just it sucking the joy out of this And so thing. David finally got tired of it um, because he... Cause, so was, was Corey... Corey was going to school there too? Yes. Okay. okay. Oh, yes. He's from Houston, but he was, go he was yeah, going... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But we were all in school at Tech. And um, so David got tired of us trashing his house. <laughs> I mean, because we were smoking, definitely smoking indoors. Oh, God. Anyway. Um, and... So he got us a gig at a place called Bash Rip Rocks. And um, first time we played there, we charged five bucks a head. We we rented a PA for like a hundred bucks. Call all your friends. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah, was, yeah. that was it. And it was sold. Like, well, it's only 200 people, yeah. but it's sold out. Like, yeah. Hey, okay. We did it again the next week. And it's not Almost really about y'all. It's like, these are just my friends. And this is what yeah, they're yeah, just coming right. to be. We it. did the exact same show to, the next week. And it was a little bit less, but it was enough for us to know that it was something was going on. Was any, were any of your friends like, you got a good voice? Like, were, were people affirming no. you? Or no. literally you're... <laughs> no, I, and honestly, I, I really hadn't... I, I don't think that I had explored my voice until, like, the third record. I mean, I knew I could sing. Mm -hmm. I could sing. And t that's the hardest thing. Everybody... Had, Here's a CD of my daughter. Tell tell me if she has a chance. And it was yeah, like, yeah. well, can she sing in tune? And like, oh, she sings great. I'm like, can she sing in tune? Yeah. You know, can he sing in tune? Whoever it is. Um, but I knew he could sing in tune, but I didn't really learn my voice until probably three days, like my fifth record or so. I went where I where I really started. Well, I didn't do it myself. Somebody. Um, my producer at the time, Greg Ladani, pushed me mm -hmm. out of my comfort zone and made me sing a lot higher register and okay. with a lot more authority. And that's when you felt like that's when I uh, well, when I, I just hit, heard those notes stride. coming out. I was like, I was really surprised. You didn't know you could do it. Yeah, but people were. I mean, you were already ha having success way before then. I mean, people were people were into what you're doing and coming yeah. to shows and. Because you're doing the Willie Nelson stuff then oh, and people man, are freaking we, out. Yeah. So what were they, like, was it, what do you think was sort of the the magic? Was it just because you were fun? Like, like. I don't know. It was the thing. It's the X. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. You don't, how, you, can't, you don't think you can articulate it? There's no chance. I don't, but you, but that's the, the beauty of, of connecting with people. It, mm -hmm. Honestly, I think it's about vulnerability. Mm -hmm. I mean, um. I mean, charisma certainly factors in, but um, there's an intangible there. You know, if you're willing to put yourself out there. And yeah, there's, a, there's so, a vulnerability with it. Right. Yeah. And be so incredibly true to yourself. Yeah. You know, I mean, and and show people the the insanity that, insanity that lives in your head. <laughs> if you can do that, like I was, I was. I mean, I didn't have moves like Elvis, but I was moving. Okay. I mean, I wasn't just standing there. Yeah. And I and people who just stood there kind of bothered me. And, yeah, yeah. You know, um, uh, I mean, not bothered me like I didn't appreciate their music. But it's just like, man, come you're, on, you're give missing me a show. out on the show. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I can if I want to hear you just sing the songs. Yeah. And I'd listen to the radio. Yeah. But so there was a there was a lot more stuff, I, and I, I say the most outlandish things and embarrasses my family. 
to no end. Um, <laughs> Which is, I think, probably some of the success. But like, because it's it's honest. It's like I remember like the first time I had a um, I had a friend was like, "Hey, you got to listen. You got to listen to this this guy Pat Green. He put on he had like the live at Billy Bob's CD, uh-huh. and he went to the song. We we're like." Something about Marilyn Manson is a freak, and I will. <laughs> he was a freak, <laughs> but we were just like. But it was like he's just. There was something about the rawness and the and that, the, that the crazy... record. <laughs> that record, I still laugh at. But it still feels so sophomoric when I listen to it. But I, the the success is undeniable. That record sold more than any other live at Billy Bob's record ever. And it was so. I had Pam Minnick on recently, and she was like that. She was, I th- they were doing it for Merle Haggard, and they were like, we should probably test this with yes, somebody else. exactly. I was the guinea pig, you which I appreciate. Pig. I the, greatly like appreciate the dress rehearsal, that. And it went yeah. on the, but but to, to your point, you know, you're saying this stuff, and I don't, and I don't know if, my assumption is like, you were just, be, you were just being you. You are being honest. I'm like, just coming out, and I'm not holding, I'm not holding back, you know, which is like Springsteen never held back. He just goes for it. Uh, but I've paid the price for that, too. Okay, el- elaborate on that. What do you? No, mean? I'm just saying I've I've irritated pray, pray some the, people. Paid the price of when you gone took it too far. Yeah, I've I've irritated some people, and I've I've also made people think less of me, and um, and I've I've drank too much, and I've 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 done so many outlandish things that all I all I have to do is once again be true to who I yeah. am and say, man, learn from it. Yeah, learn. You know, maybe that wasn't some of the best moments, but yeah, but um. I don't know. My life is, is an experience to me. It's not, it's not one thing or the other. And so, yeah, man, I've, I've missed, but I'll, I'll challenge anybody out there to say that they've never, have you never missed? Oh yeah. No. Right. So I don't, I don't. Well, you're not, you're not, you're not taking risks if you, if you, if like, I have, I've gone too far in my life many times and, and it's cost me, but at the same time, it's I, also like the secret to your man, success. My life that. has been, I, I have, I have had every dream I ever dreamed come true a thousand times over. Mm-hmm. Did you, did you imagine this would, was there like no a, refunds? <laughs> Was the, was so you? You mentioned like watching your dad, and you're like, I would, I would love to do that. Like, was there like this is an ambition I have, like this success, or was it? Was there like, are you like a goal person? Okay, so I missed out on that opportunity when you asked that question earlier because you did ask that. Um, when I was a kid playing my tennis racket guitar in uh-huh. front of the big mirror in my bedroom, I was not thinking about the coffee house. Mm-hmm. At all, I wasn't thinking about being eclectic and and poignant and um, and cultural, culturally uh, impactful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was thinking I want these assholes to have a few beers, smile their faces yeah, off, yeah. and go home in a great mood. That's mm-hmm. my job. I want to be if if Jimmy Buffett had a kid with Bruce Springsteen and Willie Nelson. That's yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, and I, I laugh about it a lot. I'm, I always tell folks on stage, and you know, my mom hates this joke, but I'm always like, I, I don't know if if Willie Nelson or Jimmy Buffett's my dad, but <laughs> 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 but it's one of them. Uh-huh. But I'm so tall, it could be Jerry Jeff. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Did you play with Jimmy Buffett at all? Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's, he's he's great. He's a he's a funny guy. He's a, he knows. 
he's he, he the product that he has is so strong. Oh, and he has his tribe, and he tapped I mean, he tapped into me? a niche. I'm, I'm just saying this: every restaurant in the world sells margaritas. Mm-hmm. Every restaurant, say this with me, in the world sells margaritas. Yeah, his brand. Margaritaville. Everybody <laughs> goes out to restaurants. Yeah. And drinks margaritas. I'm just saying, he's brilliant. Brilliant. And he landed on that. And who doesn't love beaches? Yeah, this beach. I this mean, be- it's, but uh, it's a niche. It's like, the, it's like the riches are found in the niches. It's, it's like he found this. this oh, thing he didn't that makes- found it. <laughs> he did not found it. He, he was like, oh, that was good. Like that's the way it, wave act, on wave and act, all these other songs in my life ever happened. I was like, Oh, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's that. I'm pretty sure that's going to, that's going to work. <laughs> and then you just, once you find something that you really think is going to work, you, you go, down okay, how much gas can I pour yeah. on this thing? Yeah. And songs are like that. Like some, like I, you know, I mentioned, I'm listening to the Keith Richards autobiography and he's talking about some of these stone songs, like came to him in his sleep. You know, yeah. he just picks up the guitar and just, he's like, I almost didn't write it. It just came out. And when I came out, I was like, oh, that. It's the shallow end of sleep, I call it. Uh-huh. The shallow end when you're, when you're right about to fall awake. In a, in a melody. You're not about to fall asleep. When you're about to fall awake. That little bit, that really kind of unconscious bit that lives in there is so... It's it, the, it, you know, it's really your dreams. It's your, it's your brain taking over, you know, when you're, when you're not there. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you, you hear these things and you see these things. And if you've been doing it for 20 and 30 years, like we have the things that you hear, you recognize it. You're attuned to it. Yeah. You recognize it. You're like, hold on, just stay, just don't, don't wake up yet. Yeah. Don't go away. Don't wake up. Just stay right here. And then. And if you don't catch it, it goes away. Yeah, but I've had an awful lot of them that have. Uh-huh. You know, was Wave on Wave one of those that kind of? No, came? Wave on Wave was right before I went to bed. Um, and, and some are a it was struggle. Late at night. Um, yeah. Oh, plenty of them, or take years and years yeah. to develop. But um, no, Wave on Wave was was really really quick. Um, <laughs> we were on a drive out to Athens, Georgia, to do a show at the Georgia uh, Theater broke down the bus broke down and um and in birmingham we were in a walmart parking lot and we were just drinking uh-huh. and i went back in the back and started playing my guitar and i came up with the chorus and then two guys that were still left awake uh, were david newhauser and justin pollard and um two very incredibly talented musicians in their own right you know and um I said, guys, this is a big one. Do you want to help me ride it? And they're like, yeah, yeah, whatever, sure. We all kind of, you know, we were. I was confident, but it really didn't matter. I, I, you know, it was just whatever it was. But it turned out, yeah, to be the biggest hit I ever had. Yeah. So, 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 thank God those guys were awake. (laughs) Come help me with this. Can you take me back? We we started talking about it, but but you you got those breaks with those guys, and then people started coming to shows and buying, and you you made the album with with Lloyd Maines and people. We did five. Five. That's a lot. Lloyd Maines. Yep. So it's at some point, like it started to snowball and then, it it, and then it went like, uh, I could point at it. When, when was that? 
1998, we put out Cannonball. Yeah. Not Cannonball, we put Carry On. Cannonball is way later. I'm sorry. It starts with a C. Um, uh, and both of them, two syllables. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, we put out Carry On. I, I, I had written Carry On with Walt Wilkins. Um, it was the first song I'd ever written with a professional songwriter. Mm-hmm. I had a cool little riff that I had snaked from somebody else. <laughs> and um, anyway, we uh, we wrote what I thought was the first really, really good song. Like, and I was pr- kind of the I'm cornerstone. Of song. Yeah, I was like, this is this is good enough for anybody. Yeah, kind of thing. And um, and that was when I called Lloyd and I said, Lloyd this is i want to spend some money i want to get i want to get marketing behind it i want to spend because i always thought that you know when i started playing um i knew that like 30 percent of all the music country music bought in the united states in the united states was bought in texas and that's a huge number consider the volume of the entire u.s Mm -hmm. of all the country music bought 30 percent was in texas so Mm -hmm. i knew if i could get big in texas then when it was time for me to sign a record deal, mm-hmm. New York, LA or Nashville, yeah. I would have I would have the ability to write my own ticket. So you were that strategic about it. You Absolutely. Were, okay. Without a doubt. I was I was like, there's no way I'm gonna drive to Nashville with no songs under my belt, with no recordings under my yeah. belt and just say, Hey so, man, my name's Pyatt. So you didn't you you hadn't pursued a record deal ever at that point. Did you have a manager or were you doing uh well by by the certainly by the time we got to the fifth record, yes. Um, mm-hmm. Management for me started with uh, Greg Henry on the during the second after the second record came out. Mm-hmm. Um, a friend of mine, Greg Henry, um, from from in Waco, from in Waco, where you know we were living at the time, um, he was like, "Man, I'll you need to sell T-shirts." I'm like, "I can't afford it." Uh-huh. He goes, I got a credit card. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> literally how my first management deal happened. Uh-huh. Yeah. And um, I got a credit card. Yeah. And so he'd, you know, he'd buy the t shirts and then I'd end up giving them all away, uh-huh. you know, because I was drunk somewhere singing and giving them out to these girls and whatnot, you know, uh, as you do. And um, anyway, so he, he said, okay, we're, we're not going to do this anymore where you give them away. I'm going to buy the t-shirts, but I'm going to come with you mm-hmm. and you're going <laughs> to sell, sell them. them. I'm, I'm going to sell, sell them. them. <laughs> right. And, and uh, anyway, we, so we worked out the money side of things and then, you know, I didn't know what the industry standard was by any stretch, but um, I was like, man, if you can get me, you know, more than a thousand bucks a gig, I'll give you X. And we, we, it yeah. started. It became a manager. It started. Yeah. And, that, and then we started, I mean, we were doing 10, 15 gigs a month mm-hmm. and sending out, uh, out mailers on postcards. And like where we literally is that had to lurk the stamp. How you were promoting we stuff? didn't have the internet. There was no internet. So who were you mailing them to? People that signed up on the mailing okay. list. Okay. So you would have so a mailing we'd list. So we sell t shirts and then. Sign up on the mailing list they would to know when Pat Green's physical yeah. address because yes. there's no email. <laughs> there was no such thing as email. And you see, so you're, you're hand there was mailing. There's no email. There was no internet. You're hand mailing postcards to people about your to, shows. Yeah, we got to about three That's or four so thousand wild. people a month. Every month, we'd sit there and for a couple of days to. And you're hand addressing them like you're. No, hand- no, no. We had a, we did have a printer. Okay. <laughs> we had a printer. 
but we did have to take them off the sticky sheet and stick them on. Yeah. Um, and it's hard, like, like drunk people at bars writing their information down. Oh, it's hard, yeah. it's hard a, to we'd decipher. We'd get half of them back. Yeah. Anyway, so that, that worked. That worked. Yeah. And there was a lot of Jack Meehoffs and <laughs> <laughs> bendovers and, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> right. Um, anyway. So you're playing. 15 gigs a month and yeah, mailing and these, these postcards. And, and we put a lot, of, it, I, we would announce our private shows and, but if we it would have the, you know, private in parentheses, which meant basically that we were playing at some guy's birthday party and we uh-huh. had music in the backyard. But we, tr- what we tried to do is create an image of, Hey, this is a working band. And mm-hmm. um, anyway, so Greg, uh, sorry, just whacked your microphone. Greg, um, Henry and I it, it started out and then, after George's bar and it grew and grew and it, when it started growing to right before carry on the wolf in, um, in Dallas and, uh, Y 100 in Houston started having Texas radio shows. Mm-hmm. These like hour long, hour long segment on Sunday yeah. night. You know, if you're driving down the road, you do Then, Carry On came out, which was the last one I, you know, I didn't self, I was kind of, Lloyd Baines produced it, but mm-hmm. I was self-producing yeah. the record. And I hired a marketing company um, out of Austin to to really. You were like, I, I want to promote I this. I think this is going to work because we are, the, the gravity was starting to work. People were drawn. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was starting to happen in full, you know, full force. Anyway. Um, then carry on happened and it got on the radio and Did you hire a radio promoter or just, it just organically no, someone that started basically that Austin group had some ends mm-hmm. and we could, that was still back when you could pay people off a little bit uh-huh. right in radio, you know, before Elliot Spitzer ruined it for us. Um, but anyway, um, you know, we could buy some spins, but it started having so much momentum that every major radio station in Texas latched on to carry on and we're playing it not in the texas just, country, not in the country. no just started playing it full tilt oh, okay right so the most you'd ever want to get um out of a out of a big single from a major record label was around 35 40 spins a week and we were getting up to around 20 wow on and that so, had never happened before no one else had ever never independently no no not even close and was it because the song was so good or because you were you the, it was so it was, strategic or it was people I were calling? I just think we were, like I said, right place, right time. Were you right calling time. radio stations? And- of course I was. Yeah. I'm sh- shameless self-promoter. <laughs> oh, my God. One time we went on, t- during that time, me yeah. and Greg, uh, a, a concert promoter, flew us over to New Zealand to play a bunch of shows with the Amazing Rhythm Aces, the Finn Brothers, Cowboy Junkies. It was huge. Uh-huh. Great tour. Um Anyway, uh, so we, you know, we, we woke up the second morning after our, you know, jet lag had gone away and we started calling Texas radio stations during the eight o'clock hour saying, Hey, Greg would call, you know, and say, Hey, this is Greg Henry, Pat Green's manager. We've Uh got Pat available. He's in uh, New Zealand spreading Texas music. Would you like to talk to him? Are you a small business owner or an entrepreneur? Do you do marketing for a small business? If so, I have something that I want to give you and it's totally for free. We've put together a free resource at 6fstorytelling.com slash download. And it's the secrets, it's the tips, it's the tricks, it's the tools of the trade. It's literally everything we do at 6 Storytelling to help small businesses 
grow. Go download it today at sixthafstorytelling.com slash download. This episode is sponsored in part by Pre-Kindle, the platform designed to empower event creators to develop the best experiences possible for their communities. Did you know that Pre-Kindle was actually founded in DFW and is still headquarters in Dallas? Well, now you do. We love local businesses and Pre-Kindle is one of the best. With a best-in-class platform of features, no long-term contracts, low service fees, responsive mobile-friendly event pages, and friendly and attentive support, Pre-Kindle is my personal favorite ticketing and marketing platform for any event. Anytime I'm planning something with my band, Green River Ordinance, Pre-Kindle is our go-to platform to use. With an impressive roster of event creators, menus, and entertainment destinations across the nation, Pre-Kindle's hands down the best. In DFW alone, they've partnered with incredible spaces like the Granada Theater, Panther Island Pavilion, the Kessler, Will Rogers Coliseum, the Fort Worth Modern, Tulips, Risley Theater, and more. If you have been to an event or venue in DFW, I promise you have likely been using Pre-Kindle and you didn't even know it. Beyond ticketing, Pre-Kindle also helps automatically promote your event. With over 500,000 subscribers in North Texas and partnerships with event discovery sites like Bands in Town, Spotify, Google, they're set up to also help you spread the word. So go to prekindle.com, that's P-R-E-K-I-N-D-L-E.com and click Get Started to begin using the platform. They are on a mission to bring your event to life. This episode of Stories with Soul is sponsored in part by Power Biofarms. As we all strive to become better versions of ourselves, sometimes the effort to be more active and less stressed can leave you feeling more exhausted than ever before. From unwanted prescription side effects to injuries that won't fully heal, many Texans are left feeling frustrated and without hope or restoration. Power Biofarms provides high-quality, Texas-made CBD and cannabis wellness products without chemicals, solvents, or pricey prescriptions. It's all made right here in DFW, from seed to shelf with the utmost care, quality, and transparency. I had the privilege of getting to work with Colt Power, the founder of Power Biofarms, earlier this year when Sixth Avenue Storytelling got to help them unpack their language and dive into their brand, and it was crazy cool. Their story is impactful, and they're doing some beautiful things. They offer a wide variety of craft products, and yes, it's all 100% legal for adults and incredibly safe. Support this local and growing business by starting your order at PowerBioFarms.com. That's P-O-W-E-R-B-I-O-P-H-A-R-M-S.com. Oh, so it was a hype. It was this image. I mean, we it was were just totally hyping bigger, it. Bigger than life image. He's touring Europe right, right now. Right, exactly. So, yeah. We're in New Zealand, for Christ's sake. Uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, I mean, you know, I'm not saying we're full of shit, but we kind of were and having fun doing it. You well, know? it's it's kind of going back to the oh, great. the hustle a little bit, but it's also I I, th- I think what well maybe people know this know this about you, but but I I think what's interesting we have some mutual friends and it's like you are not just entertainer but a businessman. You're like very yeah. business savvy and are thinking of like it doesn't this type of like this type of blowing up overnight success it's not like doesn't happen on accident and it doesn't have like there's an element of the song has to be really freaking good well either you have to do it for yourself or you have to get a record label to do it for you yeah but you're you were kind of leading the ship on this i wanted to do the uh, yeah i wanted to go the other way around i wanted to get my stuff together before i got a record label to to put me and out no there. And no one had called you and said, hey, we want to have one. And then... That's bonkers. Um, we did our four... Uh, excuse me. First um, 
northeast run. Like mm-hmm. we were went up and played. Um and we were playing in DC and it was sold out and it was And that was the first time you like out of Texas, people are coming to my shows. This is Yeah. Well, no, it's a yeah. Anyway. What I'm getting at is that night we we had, you know, it was about that time we had a tour bus and we were I mean, we were making you know, it was a real going tax paying business. Uh-huh. <laughs> um uh and, and people call it showbiz because you don't want, nobody wants to think of it as business. It's, mm-hmm. it really, really is, you know, and I didn't want to, I didn't want this to be my hobby. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we're in, in uh, DC. Um, we just come from New York and um, Monty and Avery Lippman uh, rode the train down from New York. They were the heads of Universal. Heads of Universal. And um, after the show, they came on the bus and they were like, Hey man, great show, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And I said, please don't tell me you're going to make me rich and famous. <laughs> you said that to I them? do remember that being the line, uh-huh. right? And, um, and I said, just make this thing work, make it bigger, make it better. And so you had, you wanted it bigger. You oh, like- I certainly, I, and I love that the first deal came from New York. I was so glad it wasn't from Nashville where I felt like if I was scared that if I went to Nashville, that somebody stick a cowboy hat on me. And make me wear a belt buckle and all this stuff. At that time, I didn't wear shoes. You know, <laughs> I mean, now I'm 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 a little bit more kind of I'm, I'm older and I wear I wear boots and I do wear a, a yeah. yeah you know yeah I wear hats and stuff like that. But um, back then I was just I, I had long hair and I had no shoes and you know was, was, it, just, was it like nonconformity like or I kind of I just didn't want to like, be I didn't want to be. Well, I just didn't want to be Garth Brooks. Yeah. I didn't want to be anybody else. I wanted to be what I was. And so I signed that deal. I mean, I would literally within two weeks, I'd signed that deal with them. And then they walked me into the doors of EMI and I sold all my publishing to EMI. So I, I sold out. Um, but I mean, I sold everything mm-hmm. at a very young age and it's still. How, how old were you? Uh, well, so that was, was, I was almost 30. Okay. It's like 29. I was 29. That'd be, yeah. And so, um, but I, but I was fine. I was like, Ooh, this machine is going to take it and run with the ball. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the proof's in the pudding, you know, three days came out, it, it, you know, it, it went number two. The next and they record. reissued that they re they reissued like three days was a was a, was three days the song yeah which had never been released and about five other so, never been released songs mm-hmm. and uh, about five from my previous catalog take me out to a dance we'll carry yeah. on yada yada um that ended up being you know because they were in that package became really big songs so that that record went number two we had couple of big hits, couple of Grammy nominations. Then Wave on Wave comes out. That record goes number two. The single goes top of the chart. Blah, blah, blah. You know, it was, it was, I was like, it played out exactly, exactly how I thought. Do you feel like you engineered it that way? Well, was it like, I mean, I certainly, or was it like, I certainly tried. Uh huh. You know, it's, that was certainly the idea. Yeah. And you, but seeing it happen, I was, I was still really kind of, Really, I was like, oh, this is really cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
And you were you were you, were you married then? Yeah. When did Corey you get- and I got married uh, in 2000, June 10th, 2000. Okay. And and that's what's to me, you know, that's another really happy, lucky part of my life is that I've gotten to write all these songs about the same person, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, going back all the way back, right? Now there's a couple in there that I didn't write about her, but I don't sing them and she doesn't like them. So it's kind of a mutual <laughs> thing. But, um, but yeah, it, the experience of going down the road of life, especially in music, which is such a difficult thing mm-hmm. to try to get on top of, uh, and stay married. And, you know, I'm not going to say by any stretch that I'm sane. I'm, I'm, cuckoo but um yeah <laughs> but um in in normal world staying married that long and being with one person is, yeah, is rare. yeah exactly. in the music world where you're gone 200 days a year and you're drunk and you're stupid and you're you know yeah. I mean, all those things um yeah 22 years of marriage is that, so far is working really well for that's me that's incredible and i feel like uh and I, I I I don't know like the his the history of all of it and uh, like and we all have our ups and downs but I I do think as a an outside spectator y'all have a really special relationship like you we you do. you it's, dote on her fair, I do and she, actually she really doesn't she's kind of tired of me talking her up but um but I don't really give a shit I I, I love her did you have to learn how to do that or was it like a- no I drew I truly. I mean, I'm, I'm addicted to her. I I have a very strong, um, I don't know. I don't know how else to put it, but my personality, when I'm drawn to something, it, you go all in. You're intense. You're an intense person. I am. I am. There's no doubt. And, um, uh, but I'm, I'm fascinated by her. I think she's smarter than I am. I I think, well, she's just a knockout, but, Mm. um, was there things can you give, give, give me a little relationship advice, you know, <laughs> um, in that, cause, cause there's like, it, cause the hard thing about the, about touring, especially back then when all you have was a phone, it's so one dimensional. You can't, you get in a fight and you can't, Hey, I'm going to put your arm around her. We like, didn't it's have okay. cell phones when we oh, got so together. Pay right, it was pay phones and, um, hotel rooms. And, it teaches you how to communicate better, but it's freaking hard. Well, I don't, I mean, I don't know if it better is the right word. Um, I don't know. She, um, she's small town, West Texas. I'm small town, central Texas. Mm-hmm. And, she comes from a very together family. Like okay. They, they, you know, just they're into each other's world. And I come from, my folks got split up, got remarried. Instead of having just me and my brother, now there's 10 kids, mm-hmm. right? So, um, I don't know. We come from these kind of op- opposite spectrums with, within family world. But um, she, I don't know. She brings me back to reality, right? And she, she's stronger than I am. And, um, and I think the older you get, the more tempered you get. You, mm-hmm. you, 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 Your edges you, get smooth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Riverstone, right? I mean, you, you know, I, it doesn't, it's not all the time. 
but I can tell you the last couple of years have been better than the two years before that, than the two mm-hmm. years before that, than the two years before that. Yeah. You know, it's, I'm just starting now at 50 to understand that, man, it doesn't have to be a struggle mm-hmm. to be married. It doesn't have to be, uh, uh, intense. It mm-hmm. can be just a couple of people living in the same house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's cool. It, I I love being a spectator in it. Just on just on online, I'm like it's it's encouraging. It's like this is this is this is how it's meant to be. You know, well, um, it's, it's worked. It's working. So I mean, she, so y'all were together. So you get signed this. She record. was 19 when we got together. So, and then yeah, you, and, and I was 21. And I'm sure her parents were like this. Oh, dude, that, those stories are, are fantastic. I told her, I was standing next to her dad at a urinal, at, <laughs> like one of the first times I ever met him, and I told him, I'm not going to take your daughter out of college to marry her. <laughs> like, I can't think of a dumber thing to say. He looks just like Wyatt Earp, right? And he's a cattle rancher, yeah. and he's, he works for Texas Tech, and he's, I mean, he is the toughest ombre you have ever seen uh-huh. in your life and i'm standing next to the urinal telling him <laughs> about marrying his daughter and not you know blah 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 and we he, just like he, we'd only been dating for like a month or two and, and that's the time you're I'm, yeah it. yeah I mean, he didn't say a word he just kind of looked at me with that you know that mean old mustache and just uh-huh. walked away didn't say a word so yeah um i'm lucky to have survived that night uh-huh so you sign, sign, sign the record deal, it starts to blow up, and, yeah. and that's when, and then you, I mean, you were really strategic with merchandise. I mean, sure. I, I remember, I, I was in high school around Nothing that time. Nothing sells Texas like Texas. Oh, like we every, love every car <laughs> yeah. in the parking lot had, a, like, I don't think that exists anymore. Like, no one's like, here's putting my favorite band on my, literally yeah, yeah. every car in our high school parking lot had a Pat Green sticker. It was like this, and it was this Texas. Making me te- feel old, but thank you. It was a Texas pride. <laughs> thank you for buying my sticker. <laughs> Man, we sold a million of those things. Um, and you would I, like I have s- that like from a, s- a semi full of merch pull up at your, you were selling a lot of merch. No, dude, we sold everything we could. I mean, I'm serious. Uh, Elvis was the greatest self-promoter. Um, but yeah, we'd, if, if we could put my name and logo on anything, like baby clothes, uh-huh. panties, uh, serious like panties and then risque panties uh-huh. and then, yeah, I'm anything, like, yeah, any, anything, boxers, t-shirts, hats, koozies, coolers. And are you, how hands on and are you like in the business? Back then I was, are you just like, I'm just singing songs or were you like, I'm, no, no, I'm gosh, tracking, no. I'm counting them. No, I'm still really hands on. I still know where everything is. Mm-hmm. I still know where we stand. Um, had you always been drawn to the business like to business i mean i i just thought and had heard all my life that people in the music business the the bands the artists whatever they get screwed because people will take money mm-hmm. and they will yeah i'm not kidding I, it, you know um I had it, it doesn't matter if you're in this business or, i had it happen to me i'm just saying it doesn't matter what business yeah. you're in if, if there's money laying around and nobody's looking even the best guy will yeah. falter and take your money. Yeah. So no, I, I, I mean, I, every, every single month of my life, I go in and I look at every number that, mm-hmm. that we have and I make a model of, you know, and I make projections and, um, 
I've been doing that forever. But did you learn that in in, in college or? Um, I, I I learned that the you, first time I got audited. You got it. Okay. I've been audited five times. Nah. Well, because we have a huge, it's a very yeah. cash got, heavy business. You got a big not target. So much a big now. target on your back. Yeah, not so much <clears throat> now. There's not as much cash in, mm -hmm. in in music as it used to be. Like you, you know, people would pay fifteen, twenty five dollars at the door, and you'd get giant stack of bills yeah. when you're walking out that just that doesn't happen yeah. anymore people you don't even have cash anymore yeah no yeah. it's just a they push a computer button they zip it to you um so but when i first got audited um we lost five thousand bucks to the improper accounting and i was like well okay that's not that big a deal but I don't ever want to do it again. And and mm -hmm. in the <clears throat> they're always going to find something. By the way, if you ever got it, <laughs> if uh -huh. you're out there getting audited, it's okay. Yeah, to see five thousand is not. Is it, is, it wasn't a big yeah. deal, and but you know, they, it was always lower than that in in the subsequent ones. And so from that point on, I got very serious about um, not only accounting but um, where the money was going. Mm -hmm. And were you Didn't do it right all the way? But. And your dad was in finance? My dad is still. Is yeah. he? He's a money manager. He has his own company. He was with Merrill for 30 years, and then he went with some other companies and then kind of decided, hey, I want to do it on my own. So he has a, he has a really, really good-sized company. Um, that. And did you learn about that? Like, were you interested oh, in gosh, that world? Yeah, absolutely. I still love that world, and, you know, he invests all my money. In, well, not all of it. I shouldn't say that, but um, he invests a lot. And so you're you're – accounting you're like i'm checking everything that's coming in and out and you're also driving like the strategy of what we're gonna sell how do we monetize it? how do we sell more let's every every possible angle yeah that i can get my but hands I, on but i would say that is that is rare in music world like most musicians brains literally do like i don't know i don't mean to sound condescending but like don't think that way but that's why i haven't put a record out in seven <laughs> years I, you know what i mean like it's kind of give and take like yeah. i've just never been a prolific i have never just completely sold my soul to writing songs every day and exploring my personal life and yeah, da, da, da. Yeah. i just don't do it that way mm -hmm. i'm i'm good at that <clears throat> and i'm good at telling the truth that lives inside of me i'm good at mm -hmm. um telling you exactly how i feel mm -hmm. but i don't do it every day yeah I do it when it kind of piles up on me. And when it, yeah. when I get kind of, uh, that's when it explodes yeah. out of me. So, uh, and that's kind of how I feel like right now. I don't, I, it, it's a lot of pressure with this new record coming out. You and, think so? Well, no, it's just when I say pressure, I mean, there's, pressure, a, you gotta there's a lot I of stuff I got to do. And yeah. so, and I'm exploring all these emotions that I, you know, put out on this record. And so, um, but well, so, take, walk me through, unpack that a little bit more. Well, pressure, pressure. You have. You feel like I have a lot to say. Or pressure. Well, like people no, are going to judge. There's it? a lot of people that have put a lot of effort into this, into this project. And is this a different? And so I owe them the respect of. Is this a different kind of project for you? I mean, I don't know. It's very much like the last one, Home, mm -hmm. in that it's very straightforward. It's very much a gutting of myself at the moment that we recorded it. It was going through COVID. I was depressed. I was, I was out on a limb, like in a Dr. Seuss <laughs> book. I mean, literally, and it was cracking, right? And so I'm, I'm writing these songs like 
about that person cracking because because, because of, of the weight of my soul. Jesus, <laughs> was there was there was there like other stuff going on, or just I'm just lonely and I'm tired? Well, like, I was lonely and I was out of work and I didn't know how long this was going to last. And every every uh, like you were saying, I mean, business is a big deal to me, and keeping my my band afloat and keeping those guys' families. Yeah, you've the, all these people to depend on you. Yes, and so, um, and so, man, I drank so much. God, I tried to kill myself. I think, and um, you know, and I'd been fighting that for years before that too. You know, it wasn't like that was something new. Um, but so is 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 AA and, and sober? Is that a new thing? Or is oh that gosh, no. No, we started we started down that path five years ago. Okay. And I'm not saying we've been on that path the whole time mm-hmm. because that would be dishonest. But um, yeah, that definitely um, sobriety. I know is the only path mm-hmm. for me. There's that awareness. It's the only now. workable path for uh-huh. me, and workable um, to flourishing. Yeah, to to making the, the my world be okay and. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have to give that a lot of effort and man, I'm like, like, man, anybody that is on that endeavor or in mm-hmm. that endeavor knows that it's, it's a difficult thing and you're not always going to get it right. Yeah. But you're, you know, if you're really dedicated and in love with that, the new person, mm-hmm. then it's a lot easier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So COVID was, was, was COVID, COVID was a wreck. Kicked your butt. And this is, this um, is the. Was there, did you hit a point and you're like, Oh gosh. Yeah. Oh, talking about an awful point. And then, but this is coming out of that quite a bit of it. So yeah. The, and this a is a lot of writing coming out of that. Just trying to, how to, um, you know, give you a, enough vulnerable of a picture of me. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, show you that man, the rest of my life is still quite normal. You think it builds you a bar, man. I, I my wife is the funnest, little drunk girl you ever seen in your life and uh-huh. i'm not kidding she makes you laugh and um so i have i had to paint the picture of of my life in total you know um so there's songs that are about my family there's songs about her steady uh man, that's a great that is, song that's exactly how i yeah. feel about her right yeah. without it i mean I, I don't know how else to put it uh bad bones is a very strong dis- description of that tumultuous interior um, fight mm-hmm. that lives inside of me. Um, I'm going home, man. If you if you can find a more accurate picture of my life as it was right there when I was writing that song, mm-hmm. there's not. It was that's exactly how it felt about me right then. Mm-hmm. Are you nervous about releasing this? I'm not. No, um, no. I, I, but see, that's the thing. I. I mean, going back to, honestly, I would say between carry on and three days was when I learned that if I tell my truth, if I tell the truth, if mm-hmm. I say exactly what's going on, the songs are so, if I'm vulnerable, mm-hmm. people get it. Mm-hmm. If I'm slicking it up and honky talking it. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind saying the word honky talking a song. Yeah. I'm just saying, if I'm, if I'm. You know, yeah, and, and I think I'm not being true. Yeah, and I think that's why there was a there's an authenticity about those those songs that they were huge and about like that, that was I'm not 
and I think that's probably probably your like, you know, rebellion against Nashville was like it feels so some of it is so contrived. And I think why people were like, this guy is different. This is a different because you're just I'm just it's authentic, it's honest, and it's not there's not like a formula you're pitching. I think that's you you look at guys um that I've toured with and I've really enjoyed those guys. Look at Keith Urban and Dave Matthews and Kenny Chesney. Dave Matthews just did his own crazy thing. That's what I'm saying. But if you think about those three artists in particular, yeah. their songs are brand oriented. Mm-hmm. Every not every song, but you can when you hear it, you go, oh, "That's a that's a Kenny." Yeah. And when you hear it, oh, that's a Keith. Yeah. And when you hear it, it's a Dave. And when I when I look at my music, I, that is certainly not. I mean, I am the biggest fan of those guys. Mm-hmm. God love those guys. I mean, huge stars. Um, but when I think about my music, and you look at the 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 records that I make, they don't. I don't make anything that sounds like the other thing, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's a couple of the of the GCDs, which was what I call like Texas Sun, uh, Take Me Out to a Dance Hall, mm-hmm. Wrapped. I mean, there's a few of those three quarters that mm-hmm. you can really kind of go, oh, yeah, those are very similar. But there's a lot of really the texture songs, the deep tracks mm-hmm. are very, very fun for me to listen to. I still enjoy listening to my deep tracks. Is there, do you have a song you're like, I'm most proud of this? Carry On, with, without a doubt, is really? still my favorite song, not only to play, but, you know, but, you know, uh, no, the deep, like the, uh, especially like on this record, Bad Bones and Born on April 5th are great. And I could go back through uh, In It For The Money. I could go through all of these songs, uh, mm-hmm. Good Night in New Orleans. Um, and back in there, there, I'm just like, those, if you really want to, know what i think about so would you would you say that like these pat like the past couple of years covid was that was that like the hardest thing you had gone through had you had any other like Man, this hard seasons or seasons where you learned a lot well certainly i think everybody has their trials in life yeah. um I'll, I'll tell you one of the hardest things for any band to go through is reaching a pinnacle 2003 okay was like was this is almost the top. 20 years ago Wave on Wave was a crossover hit. It was mm-hmm. everywhere. You're I was, going to the Grammys. Oh, gosh, yeah. I'd been to the Grammys bunch, and um, uh, we had commercials running during the Super Bowl, during the last episode of Friends. We were, you know, we, we were at Miller Lite at the time. That's yeah. when those commercials came about. Um, but... Uh, on the biggest tours in the world until 2000 and yeah like dave matthews seven. dave matthews band in 2003 is was that when it was 2000 with dave matthews was 2005 but that's like at the the high yeah but i mean like kenny the two years that we were on with kenny the tour was bigger it was the biggest tour in the world as far as volume doing like stadiums and- yeah stadiums and we were yeah it was bigger than the u2 tours you know wow. and it was like so you know i got to be a part of something that was way bigger than myself and obviously mm-hmm. kenny was this mega star and uh but keith every i mean i got to be all that for, mm-hmm. for well basically from 2002 until 2010 or so we were on the top mm-hmm. of the top mm-hmm. and um and then that just it, it just like every other band on the Kansas planet State, yeah it, it has to yeah i mean unless you're one of the guys yeah. unless you're george Strait or kenny or willie nelson or whoever mm-hmm. you know it, it eventually it just it 
it starts to get down into a level that where it just it, it levels off, mm-hmm. and it's not a bad thing. I'm I'm still doing a hundred days a year on the road, uh, having a wonderful, you know, second half of my career. Yeah. Thousands, uh, thousands of people thousands show up. Thousands and thousands. And th- yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But it's no. a different beast than being in a stadium. It's different than, it's, you stadium. know, it's different than selling out the Astrodome. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, was there was there a moment, like, I, I have a couple of these where I'm like, we we peaked. We peaked last night. It doesn't get any better better or bigger than that. Man, was Red Rocks, like, The Garden. Uh-huh. Um uh, like, it could be done. I can tell my kids about this. Like, man, yeah. I mean, I... I I, uh, you know, I've dreamed every dream that I've ever dreamed has come true. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that tennis racket guitar where I was playing in the stadium actually happened. Mm-hmm. Right. So I've, I've, I'm, I'm, but, but, but that is difficult. That is difficult. Well, you that transition I- from two tour buses and 18 wheelers and airplanes and all that stuff. To, to back in a bus. To one, back yeah. in a bus, yeah. and you got a trailer. Is that's a and all the bands are in the bus. Yeah, everybody's in, the bus in there. With you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't have my own bus anymore. But uh, but did you have identity? I issues think with I'm that? happier now. I think I know a lot more about myself now. Yeah, I think I uh, know what a challenge looks like, and I know how to face it. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever it might be, uh, my children are are almost grown. My how, son, how my son Kellis went to is going to UT. Just dropped him off last week. Wow, my daughter yeah, Rainy. Tears shed. Oh my! Oh my God! I mean, it was two weeks of uh, emotional train wreck. Yeah. Uh, my daughter uh, started her sophomore year in in college today. I mean, sophomore year in high, high school, school today. Did I say college? Jesus. She's about to drive. Huh? Uh, she's driving. Oh, she's, she's driving. already driving. We held we held them both back a year, so they're both a year older. We don't okay. wanted them to be the older ones in yeah. the class as opposed to the younger. So yeah, she's driving. Has been driving. I taught her how to drive, which I don't know because how, how'd, you, COVID, how'd you do with that? I did fine. Uh-huh. I think yeah, she's a good driver. Um, uh, yeah. There, during COVID, there were no instructors. Nobody would take the job oh, to teach yeah. kids because it, you had to be in the car with yeah. these three little, you know, microbial <laughs> like petri dishes. Yeah. Uh, and so I, yeah, I taught her how to drive and, um, you know, she had to do some driving hours with a, with a certified instructor, but for the most part, yeah, I was, I'm pretty proud of that. <laughs> but, um, but you it's a different season. It's now, yeah, now it's, now it's kind of legacy. It's like these, are, this is well, these kids, is, these kids are a lot like their mother. Okay. Which what does that mean? Wonderful. Well, because I mean, honestly, like with my daughter, like I mean, she was born in 2006. Uh I was on the road with Kenny and uh she was born June 10th. I came home for 2 weeks. I missed one weekend's worth of show, but I I I left that year in April and I came home at the end of September. Wow, you had her in the middle of Well, I didn't. My wife did. Yeah. <laughs> but 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 that's a But you don't take a brand new baby out on the road. Yeah, but that's a crazy you season. Know, you know, it's just um so there's what I'm getting at is um the music life, if you get to where we got to get, is great, but the sacrifice really is that you your family's going to be without you. Yeah. A yes to that is a no to something else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a great way to put yeah. it. I mean that. Um, well said. Um, uh, my wife, if she wasn't the strong woman that she is, mm-hmm. 
we would be divorced and those kids would have little to do with me. But she's, mm-hmm. she is fiercely loyal. She is, um, I mean, she's a, she's steady. She, mm-hmm. she doesn't, the song, she doesn't song. lose her shit, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. Do your fans care if I say shit? No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how, but like every episode we have the little E thing on there. I'm like, I guess we cussed at some point in all of them. Uh, yeah, I cuss a lot. Uh, did your kids, um, did they like think it's cool at all? <laughs> like, do they, do they know what you do or did or I'm sure now they do. But I mean, like, yeah, my, especially my son going to UT. I mean, certainly, but, um, does he yeah, like th- it? Does he like your music? Yeah, they they both do. They do. But um um and they both have great taste of music on their own, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Kellis is my son's music is really like my music. Like a lot of David Bowie, a lot of Springsteen, a mm-hmm. lot of these old bands and uh Beatles and so forth. And he has a record player, you know, yeah. what I'm saying he's that guy. And um my, my daughter is very, you know, much into the what pop is right now, but mm-hmm. she listens to country and she listens to she's got a very broad sense mm-hmm. of it. But um I think like I mean, they've been to a ton of my shows. I mean, a ton of them. Yeah. And um I think my daughter comes mostly to the shows that I do with guys like Parker McCollum and Cole Wetzel. <laughs> like if I'm doing that show, she's definitely going to be there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but it's kind of like musicians kids are kind of like, kind of like preacher kids. It's like they either yeah love it or they hate it and resent it or they. Well, I think that my kids are kind of relatively in the middle. I think mm-hmm. they, you know, I don't, I, I, I love that my son doesn't play the card. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. He doesn't, he's not trying to get somewhere different because he's my kid. Yeah. He's his own guy. And he's, and he's super, super, they're both intelligent people. So, Mm um, anyway, yeah, no, I'm, I'm lucky in, in, with my kid endeavors. Kid endeavors. Yeah. That's a good way to describe it. Um, we, we were talking a little bit out, out, out side but you also you do a lot of other stuff sure and i don't know I if do. people people know know this like you do oh, you do like you do real estate stuff you yeah do, a lot like, of real estate can you what what all do you do like don't you have another company like the way you're doing yeah we have investing yeah, we have a few buying commercial properties and yep um and i don't want to get into much of the specifics of that but i think it's important in life um and really, it came, I mean, we had it before COVID, but it came into real focus when COVID came that um, we, my wife and I had to have um, a position that could benefit us with if music mm-hmm. went away. Because that's a real po- that's a real possibility. And it didn't go away because yeah. I couldn't sing. It didn't go away because I. You can't control. You can't play. There are just things you can't control. Yeah. Um, now, before that, now in 2011, uh, I partnered up with a a, a restaurant group um, out of Dallas called Free Range Concepts, and we started the Rustic. Oh, I forgot your part. Yeah. Yeah. So you helped start uh, the Rustic. Yeah. Are you still part of the Rustic? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, we Wait, have. And the Rustic has crushed it. Yep. It's doing really good. Um, Doing really well. Good. It's doing good, man. <laughs> we sell lots of stuff. Uh, I'm sorry. That's awful. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's Dallas, Houston, Houston, San Antonio. And we're, we've just broken ground in, um, in 
uh, Phoenix and see in Scottsdale. Wow. Um, so that's doing fine. Uh, and then, yeah, we do, we have a good partnership with, with Walgreens or on a different group that, where you're finding the spaces and, or, yeah. and how are you, how, like, what are you doing with, well, one of my very best friends in the world, uh, Steve Swanson is, is connected way up the chain in Chicago. He's from Chicago. Uh, but are you like, as like Pat Green sitting there analyzing deals and, I, like, no, I wouldn't say that I do that. No, okay. what I am doing though is kind of handpicking the deals that we want to be a part of, and then we're part of them. Yeah, you know. So, um, but that's so interesting. Like, I don't think most people would know that, I, man. But it's I think it's whatever kind of comes down the pike. I mean, Casey Donahue, uh, <laughs> that guy. Does he do a bunch of? He's I. I'm not going to say he's smarter or better than I am, but he's got the same idea, <laughs> uh-huh. right? He yeah. really works hard on, on getting out there away from music and just making other things work. Yeah. Casey's a brilliant guy. He and mm-hmm. his wife, Belinda, man, they they really know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's plenty of other guys that I know that, you know, I mean, I know professional golf, you know, it kind of all starts from where your your who your group is. Yeah. And I got to be friends with Bo Van Pelt and Bo Van Pelt was telling me about this deal that he's involved in. And, you know, that's what kind of is the seed that mm-hmm. you plant that you go, oh, I, okay, I can do something like that. I won't do that, but yeah. I'll do something like, like that. I've conquered, I've conquered this one. I, I think I can apply. I, well, I've done what I can do in music. I yeah. don't think that there's a chance that the... I don't know, whatever, whoever the next Dave Matthews that comes yeah. along is going to say, hey, let's get that 50-year-old guy to get out here. You know? No, but in, but in terms of like the lessons. So I kind of done my thing. But the lessons you have learned, like, like I, I always tell people, like, I became a small business owner when I was 20. Yeah. Like, I'm on my own. My parents, we'd said, we're dropping out of college to go play music. And it's like, I'm on my own and I have a business. And it's like, I, mm-hmm. I learned, like, that, that was my introduction to entrepreneurship was at a very early age and marketing and branding and all, like I call it revenue streaming. That's the really, and I'm, I mean, that's not, I didn't make that up by any stretch, but you know, little trickles coming from a lot of different ways. Cause you got a pumpsing company, you got a music company, you got a touring company, you got your merchandising yep. company. You got Yes. Yeah. You, and then everything kind of comes into the one middle part and you, and now you you can make a living. And if, if something really bad happens, um, which it has happened, mm-hmm. Um, and that, that just, I, I don't even know how to say how t- difficult that was to navigate, but, um, but yeah, I'm, I don't say we're bulletproof cause there's no such thing, but, mm-hmm. yeah. but you can, you've taken it and applied it to it at the rustic. What, like, was that were you like, I want to open a restaurant or did they come to no, you? No, actually they came to me on that uh-huh. one. Um, they needed a little star power to get the, the, the real estate mm-hmm. deal done. The real estate deal was the most the important first part of that. The one in Dallas that's at 75 and Lemon. And y'all own that? Y'all own the land? Or y'all no, own... we do not. You don't? No, okay. that's a lease. But it was such a valuable piece. There were very, there was a lot of people vying to, to, it's to use magic that corner. space. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, we won't have it forever. Mm-hmm. So the, around that, all these condos are going up. 30 stories, right? Mm-hmm. But that was going to be the last piece where they build another 30 story condo. Mm-hmm. All right. So everybody's saying, okay, it's going to be at least 10 years till they get to building something on there. We're like, Hey, we can build a restaurant there. And, you know, and I just happened to have a relationship with a guy who 
who owned the place, mm-hmm. uh, owned the dirt. Oh, and, you did? Okay. And so that was my in, you know, and then. And you, you help with like some of the concepts and the. No, I mean, I help with some of the design on, as far as the staging goes and what the, what the entertainment side goes, mm-hmm. but no, Kyle and Josh uh, from Free Range Concepts, they, they are restaurateurs, true restaurateurs. They yeah. both grew up, uh, uh, I mean, that was going to be their career from day one. And they have lots and lots and lots of other restaurants. Um, they started out at Papacitos with the Papas Company and then left there to start their own thing. And they're, they're doing very well. That's the, and that's a hard, that's a hard industry. That's a, uh, it, it is, but if man, you don't, if you don't know what you're doing, it's a, <laughs> but if you're a college graduate and then the first thing you do is get into upper management of a major place, uh, like, and Papa Papa's, like the training mecca. Yeah, so if, yeah. you, if you do those two things, yeah. it's, you know, and yeah, you're, you've got a leg up. Yeah. I'm saying from my, from my experience of starting a restaurant, having no idea what I was doing, it was, Restaurants, the money, money leaks out from, uh, you know, <laughs> from the sink. Uh-huh. <laughs> it goes away real quick, doesn't it? Um, yeah. Any, any, any like just lessons you have learned through all this, like, or like just principles I've taken, I'm taking with it. I'm passing on to my kids now, like just patience. Patience is the only lesson that's worth learning about anything. Unpack that for me. I love that line. Unpack that. Um, Patience, man. It's, um, man, if, if you're running into the situation, you're probably going to miss on just about every angle. If you walk into it and you don't lose your temper and you don't um, let impulse take over, and if it's a if it's a sticky situation, mm-hmm. you're going to be all right. Um, now, on the other flip side of that is that you know impulse and ambition and and confidence and all those things kind of factor in for me to a place where I can go okay, I'm going to get out on such a limb that these people are going to like to watch what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of, you know, the impetuous side of me that says that that's crazy. But for the most part, when it comes to making the big decisions in life, I've learned that. You feel I, like you have, you have done that well. Patience is something you've like done I've well. I feel like I've learned. Well, I've, no, I have not always, but I have learned patience. And, um, and I feel like the biggest decisions that I've made, I made w- in a very serious, sober way, mm-hmm. right? Who's going to manage? Who's going to be my agent? Who's going to be my record label? Who's going to handle me day to day? The guys in my band are steadfast and wonderful. Mm-hmm. My tour manager, Brad Ewart, is one of the most incredible human beings. Like the, you're saying that some of the best decisions you've made. I made them very seriously. Yeah. And yeah. you, and you, and they, that paid off. You know, what's funny. Yeah. This is, I was going to, this was something I was going to bring up at one point, but I, I don't know if you remember this, but, uh, when I was in high school and had just started Green River Ordinance. Oh, great. We met. Great. Yeah. We, do you remember when, like at Chuck Shear's house? Well, and, and it was it your mom, right? Um, yeah, my was mom there, was there too. Yeah, my mom was doing. Yeah, yep. it was there, and I was like, she does we, jewelry too. Yeah, uh-huh. we had just. So no, I, I know exactly. All the, I know that day. But do you remember what you told me? No, I don't. Okay, so so we had just won this battle of the bands and had made our first CD, and it was terrible. And I was like, we were, I was like, we listened to my CD. Do <laughs> you listen to it? And you were like, don't. There was like we did put these rain sounds in an intro, and you're like, 
don't do that. Take out the rain sounds. <laughs> and it was ter- it was terrible. But uh, you know, I, was, well, I don't as, know. You know a young, I was probably still overstepping a little yeah, bit there. <laughs> but as a young a young fifteen year old, I'm like cocky and proud. And you were very kind and listened to the whole thing. And t- but the one thing that I remember you saying, and I'm I am an ambitious, impatient fellow, and you were like Jamie, you have so much time. Be patient. Slow down. Patient is the thing. Isn't you it? told me that like, yeah, fifteen, maybe it was twenty years ago. It's twenty. 20 years ago. Yeah, because uh, Charlie was still living in the house. Uh-huh. And Charlie's got kids now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, our, our kids are in, like, kindergarten. Are together. they really? Okay, so yeah. you know, that's exactly the same timing. Yeah, but you told me patience, and it, like, because you were, like, you said something to the effect of, you know, you're, like, I didn't start playing guitar until I was 23, 20, 20 or something. And, I'm, and as a 15-year-old, I'm, like, oh, my well, God. Well, 18, I started, but I didn't start playing serious uh, stuff. So, yeah. But that's so funny that... 20 years later, you're still, patience is still the. It works. I mean, it'll always work. It's, it's one of those things like water, it, it, you know, can't, you know, like we were talking about during this last flood that we had here in Fort Worth last couple of days, man, it's hard to argue with water. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know, it doesn't listen. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, I don't know. I feel like it's it's hard to argue that patience won't serve you. I mean, it, it just it just will. Um, uh, but no, I, I definitely remember that day, and that's a fun memory that you brought up. Um, and that's kind of when Corey started um, making jewelry. Was that same day? Was that same kind of confluence of time? Uh-huh. And now she's. I mean, she's so. She's got her own business. Oh, man. She doesn't need me. Yeah. Oh, my God. She's better off without me for sure. Do y'all bond on like you're both like both driven and have these, you know? I, no. (laughs) (laughs) No. The answer is no. (laughs) Because uh, I have my own opinions about her business and she has hers about mine. And um, it's. uh, in the in the words of uh of raising arizona never the twain shall meet shall meet mm-hmm. You're like, stay in your lane <laughs> yeah, stay yeah. in your lane here yeah, stay in your hula hoop okay right? in your hula hoop it's your hula hoop you got, you got yours i got my but yeah she's she uh she works harder than i do i know that she uh and she's crushed it she and she has her own she has i'm not her own. kidding dude she's better off without me and she kind of like going back to the authenticity thing you were talking about earlier like doing your own Finding you, find, like, I'm not trying to convince you of anything. <laughs> finding her own voice, so sure. to speak. You know, you know that was important for her all along. Mm-hmm. Um, when when we fell in love, um, she didn't really have much of a direction, but she knew she was smart, and mm-hmm. she knew that she, there wasn't much she couldn't handle. She started working at the Capitol. She worked for Speaker Laney, Speaker of the House. Um, oh, she know. was doing politics. Well, she was going. She's about to go to law school. Okay. So she was just kind of getting her chops, mm-hmm. right, if you will, you know. And um, uh, then when she went to law school, she did great there. I mean, like she flourished and she graduated great grades and got a monster offer mm-hmm. coming out. And um, she worked there for a year and a half, almost two years, and it became really not her thing. Yeah. Right. She just didn't ring the bell. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, Jamie, she, she was like, I, I got to, I'm like, honey, do you know how much money you're making? <laughs> She's like, yeah. I got to get out of this. She's got the real job. Like she had a great yeah. job, right? Yeah. She's making bank. And, and she's like, I got to get out of this. I'm like, honey, 
you can only be happy in clothes you're wearing. So mm-hmm. you got to make a move, make a move. And she did. And she went headlong into this jewelry business and it's going on, I don't know, 10 years now. But she works every day, all day. Mm-hmm. Every day, all day. That's awesome. And when she doesn't work, she feels guilty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or gets bored. Or is bored early. Yeah. Does, are the kids entrepreneurial at all? Like, are they? My daughter they have makes, that sort the, of... makes jewelry too. She's a, she's a great painter. Um, so, you know, I don't know where she's going to settle, but she's got one of those very creative brains. My son is very much interested in finance. Mm-hmm. He's a, he got into the Red McComb School of Business oh, at cool. UT. So that's a tough school to get into. Yeah. I was proud of him. But, um, yeah, he'll end up, I think, in the finance world, mm-hmm. you know, either with my dad or with somebody like my dad. That's neat. Okay, we haven't talked about art. Oh, you were yeah. like, I don't know, maybe closet artist is not the right word. but Yeah, you, you, amateur, <laughs> I would say. But, you, but, but I love it. You ha- when did that happen? About uh, eight or nine years ago. Um, uh, you know, I, like I said, man, I don't write songs all the time. Was it a hobby? Was it an outlet? Was it on board? It was, was an it outlet a- and a hobby for a long time. Uh-huh. Um, and then I realized how expensive it was to uh-huh. do it. I mean, it's incredibly expensive to make stuff. Um, did you take classes or are you like, I just I got, bought a I, canvas? I and... got in with a guy named Gilles Breval, who's a French, uh, I mean, he, he's across all mediums, mm-hmm. an incredible artist. Here in Fort Worth? No, he's in Wimberley. Okay. Um, but I got it to be friends with him and, um, he just kind of took me through everything from painting to working with metal to sculpting to et cetera, et cetera. Cause you're doing like these sculpture and like, I don't even know how yeah. it works, but they turn into bronze somehow. Yeah. Yeah. They're very, very heavy. Um, I use, uh, uh, clay, um, clay. Mm-hmm. I don't know how else to put it. It's clay. <laughs> anyway. Uh, and I, and then we mold it into bronze. And so, uh, yeah, I do a lot of horses and crazy and big paintings. And yeah, I do giant paintings. But They're, you got were you good at it at first? Like, were you naturally gifted at it, or are you like? Just I still it? don't think I'm any good at it. <laughs> to be honest, I, uh, I mean, I what is it? I enjoy it. And there's a lot of people. Um, there's a lot of people that have bought my art, so it makes me happy yeah, to sell it. Uh-huh. it. Makes me very happy to sell it. Um, do you see that as a business insane. or is that, a, is that a, just a, a hobby? I think there was a time when I thought it could be a business. Cause you opened a gallery. I had a gallery for a while. Um, but I, I realized that I don't, I don't have the capacity to do it every day, all day. Mm-hmm. I can't. It you gotta gets, be in the, in the mood. Uh, yes. And, 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 um, you know, a, a guy like Jill, um, man, he's, 7 a.m. till dark every day mm-hmm. in his studio, churning and burning out, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, which, yeah. is, which is kind of the equivalent of like the, I don't want to put him in the same box, but like the Na- Nashville songwriter. It's like yeah, nine to five yeah, every no. day. I'm show- like, so no, I'm just, I, I, I'm kind of, I'm in the middle. Like mm-hmm. I'm on the road two days a week, two to three days a week, every week of my life. And then, mm-hmm couple days I'll go sculpt and mm-hmm. then there'll be a day in there where I just kind of lay around. Uh, you um, rest. I'm just, that's the way I'm made and it's worked out for me. So I, 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 I have a great passion for art. I have really the art collection in our house is I'm so happy mm-hmm. to walk around 
know? It makes you feel, yeah. Yeah. And, but that's a fun thing. I feel like you found in your, like, I found this outlet. I found this. Yeah. Um, I'd like to say it landed on me. You mm-hmm. know, I was, I was not looking for a new friend. I was, um, I have always had a passion for the, for fine art. Um, but I was at a friend of mine's place and I, and I was, we were having a big table dinner, like huge table dinner. Mm-hmm. And I asked the woman whose place it was, I said, Hey, who did that right there? I want to know who did that. And I want to buy some of that guy's art. <laughs> and she goes, that's funny. You're sitting next to him. Oh, really? And I looked to my left and there's this guy, Gilles Breval. The guy you're talking about. Yes. Who oh, ended really? Up taking me totally under his wing. And I would uh-uh. go down for, I'd spend a week, a, a week, a month for, for years going down to Wimberley and just hanging out and, uh, you know, kind of, you know, being the shop guy, you know, sweeping up and, and watching everybody work. And, um, you like became an intern. Yeah, I was an intern. I was, a, I was <laughs> an intern. The most successful I was, I was Texas a very, artist. Yeah, I was an individually, <laughs> I, I was financially independent intern. I didn't need their help, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I enjoyed that time in my life. But, um, yeah, he's, he's a dear, dear friend. That's awesome. And golf has always been a huge thing for oh, you. Oh, yeah. Uh, another passion. Yeah. I, I'm kind of that way, though. I, honestly, I mean, I like... I'm that way with everything. You go, you go I'm hard if you do in it. There's no guy. dipping my toes yeah, in the water, including I'm gonna... vodka. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah, I'm that. Uh-huh. Um, I got really into it. I've I've played thousands and thousands of rounds, and um, I won the uh, I won on the nationwide tour back when it was the nation. Now it's the Corn Ferry Tour, but um, I won the amateur portion of one of their tournaments. Did you really? Yep. Um, uh, yeah, I, I love it. My wife and I have a tournament and uh, every other year in Pebble Beach, California, where we raise money for underdog foundations. So basically our foundation just kind of compiles funds. a bunch of money funds yeah. and, um, and you know, disperses it amongst cystic fibrosis, the, mm-hmm. um, the Ben Hogan Foundation looks after uh, the first tee of Fort Worth and the Camp Bronco, which is for kids with asthma. Uh, the Gladney Foundation, which is a pro adoption, mm-hmm. huge adoption place in Fort Worth, which I'm sure you're familiar yeah. with. My, I have an adopted daughter. Oh, there you go. Well Gladney. done. Okay, so yeah. well done. Are you are you are you kids adopted? No, no. Uh, you just, how come no. you get into Gladney? My brother's wife was a Gladney girl. Oh, really? Um, okay. My drummer um, years ago, who Justin, who wrote um, Wave on Wave with mm-hmm. me, two of his daughters were adopted. Okay. My guitar player. Brett Danaher, his daughter's adopted. So adoption is just, just kind of all around me very yeah. naturally. And I just yeah. believe in it, you know? Um, so. It, and I also like that um, it's like, we're going to do a, a charity, you raise money, give back thing. And we're going to go hard and do it at Pebble Beach. <laughs> well, okay. Like, see, this is not, this is, once no, again, this is just being smart. Like, okay. Where do rich guys want to go yeah, to play you, golf? Uh-huh. Pebble Beach. Beach. It's not a hard sell. Like I don't have to work yeah, my ass off. Yeah, how do you off. how do you rip Pebble Beach? I mean, that's that's a it's pricey, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's my part, right? You, so, didn't, you so, didn't do that one halfway either. No, I just. But I was just like, we're gonna do it first class, or else we're not. And um, so it. But it's a man. It's a, it's a fun event. We've had Hootie and the Blowfish and Dennis Miller and Huey Lewis. This year we had the Bellamy Brothers. Oh, and, that's fun. Uh, it's. It's a it's a fun time, and everybody, you know what? If if you're gonna give, they don't mind giving it in a place like Pebble. Yeah, 
Right. It'd be hard to sell that at El Paso Country Club. Yeah. Yeah. For <laughs> sure. And are you, are you like putting the details together of that? Or do you have like. Yeah. Brad, well, we have a board. Yeah. Yeah. We have a board. But that's a lot of work. To and do, I sing to too. Do that. Year, I sang, me and Ray Wiley Hubbard put on a show. That's fun. On the, I sing on Friday night and then we always have a big headliner on Saturday mm-hmm. night. And um, this year was, was uh, with Ray and he's just. He's just a genius. Mm-hmm. I've never, I, like, I could have put my guitar down and just let Ray go. Uh-huh. So. That's awesome. Um, okay, I'm going to hit you with a few random, just random questions. Favorite, so I, I you have like a, 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 I use the phrase God's album. Like the first Counting yeah. Crows album, like this album is just perfect. Right. Or the Wallflowers, those are like God's yeah, album. Yeah, I'll give you that. Do, you, yeah. do you have an album that's like, this is, it's just a perfect album. Oh man, that's a really, really good and pointed question. Um, like your kids, you're like, I want you to appreciate this album as much as I do. I think the Rising, oh, by Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, was oh, that's a great one. Pretty close. Brendan O'Brien produced that. Yes, right? yeah. The drums uh, are just smashing. I and I tried to get Brendan to do my record after that. Of course, he said no because I'm not. <laughs> wasn't important enough. Um, <laughs> Um, I love that album. That's a great album. Um, and like an, an underappreciated Springsteen album. But it's just so good. It's really good. Oh my God. This, there's just song after song. Um, what would I say after that? Crash, Dave Matthews might be that's, right, right that's there. That's a pretty dang perfect album. Right there. Um, there's a Jayhawks record. I listened to a million times with blue on it. No, it's uh, Angela and forgive me. You give it all. Oh, it's that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Angel, it's that record. Um, and then I would say the last one would be um, Heartbreaker by Ryan Adams was pretty solid too. Yeah, that's a good one. Cool. Um, so yeah, I gave you four. It's cool. I'll take, <laughs> I'll take him. I'll take him. I Ryan ended up being psycho. Whatever happened to him? Jesus. Did you ever play with him or meet him? No. Uh-uh. I love Ryan Adams. Yeah, I but he's him. cuckoo for Coco Puffs. He, yeah, he's kind of always. He's kind of always been a little, but such a good songwriter. Um, you're a Gibson guitar guy, right? I am, but I also have a couple by um, Dusty Gregg up in Denton. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, great guitar maker. Yeah, he's like doing that full time now. Yeah, he is. He was like a, a tech for forever. Yeah, yeah, he was the luthier of all luthiers. Yeah. But, yeah. but so. you but you always, I love Gibson. Uh, yeah, Gibson for forever. I hate really bright, thin, like, but Gibson's never are just got, like, Never got into Martin. Be, they're beefy. Um, I, I thought Taylor was a pretty good good guitar making i mean really pretty good i played a lot of taylors throughout my life but and when i found gibson i was like oh that's it artist you geeked out meeting was there anybody like you got starstruck it was pretty cool to meet kid rock i thought he was pretty out there i like uh, i like him as a yeah, he's just he's like like he called me by name, right? We uh-huh. were at the we were at the CMAs in Vegas when he did that song with Cheryl Crow. Uh-huh we were backstage and he he came up to me and goes he sang my song to me he sang wave on waves and, uh-uh. and he goes you're pat green and i'm like you know and i'd known uncle cracker so he was hanging with uncle cracker at the mm-hmm. time and i'd known uncle for a while and anyway he goes man me and cracker are throwing a party top floor penthouse four seasons right at the top of the mandalay you got to come tonight and i'm like 
Hell yeah, I'm gonna see. I'm gonna lay both eyes on that and see what that is gonna. Uh-huh. I mean, the crazy that I did. You just, go? Oh hell yes, I went. Oh my god, was it a kid rock party like the type? No, of kid rock? it, it was, was a it? bunch of guys drinking beer, playing video games. It was so <laughs> calm and really? it was fun. Don't get me wrong, and funny. And there was plenty of very scantily clad women uh, in there that you know it was fun to look at. But I told Corey, my wife, walking down the hall, I was like, "Honey, this live will be crazy. You're gonna be coke and." Yeah, and, and hookers. What and you shit. imagine backstage is, is yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is gonna happen. Yeah. The crackers gonna be in there too. <laughs> and, uh-huh. and, and we walk in, and it was just. I mean, the music was at a very comfortable level. Uh-huh. You could talk. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, yeah it, was, it was fun though. It was, it was a neat surprise. That was fun. I met him. We were playing a show with with Zach Brown very very early oh, on. Zach's great. Known him for is, forever. This is before, and I was I was too cool for Zach Brown. And now I freaking love Zach. At the time, I was like, he's really this big early guy what's kind of, and i wasn't that into country at the time and he knows business too that kid's sharp oh i'm i and i i'm upset like i'm obsessed with him now but at the time i was too too good for school i was like yeah. 20 and then anyways kid rock flew in on a helicopter and was smoking a big cigar it was like no it's like in san diego there's no smoking he has a helicopter and like his girls and he was backstage and and I, I handed my phone to zach brown and i was like hey can you take a picture of me and kid and they were both so annoyed at me they were like <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, kid. Yeah, was, I, I was one of my embarrassing regrets. No, nah, no. Nah. I told I told Zach Brown not to sign a record deal with, you know. I, I gave Zach some really bad advice God, to realize. His band is unreal. Yeah, no, dude, that guy's, he's, you know, he, he had it made from day one. He really did. He's, yeah. He's, he had, he had everything. He had all the tools and he, I mean, he took it to that next level and he stayed there and kept kept delivering yeah. every single yeah. time. And yeah, and they're like they're like that didn't fit in the box, did their own thing, their own sound. It's like a jam band, but they're all, like just this other, and people loved it. Yeah, no, they did good. Anybody else other than Kid Rock? Where you're like George Strait was cool. Um, yeah, uh, he was he was always. I don't know. But I mean, I guess Willie Nelson was really the first time where I was just like slack jawed. Mm-hmm. You know, first time I ever got to get up on the bus and hang in yeah. the Willie way was in the Willie way. It was pretty exciting. Yeah, and that um, was a big part of your story. Just open. I mean, we did it so many times. You know, I mean, I'd like you know I'd have to have a guide to get me back to my bus after uh-huh. the show. But um, I loved, I loved being around. Him, he was signing autographs one time out. So we were doing a show in College Station, and it was raining. And I was up on the bus, and he went out signing autographs. He's out there for like thirty minutes, comes in just soaking wet like a dog. And I said, "Man, Willie, you don't have to sign autographs. Like, you know, you're Willie Nelson, right?" And he goes, "I've been waiting thirty years for them to want my autograph. I'll be damned if I turn them down." Oh, now. that's cool. I was like, "Er, you know." Yeah. So he had those moments where he just impacted me like that. That's cool. Uh. Are there any books or resources or uh-huh. that were just r- really instrumental in your in your life that you maybe give away now? Like I love recommending this book, or it was just a huge man. Um, the Robert Fulgham book called "It Was on Fire When I Laid Down on It" is is a bunch of short stories that I think are pretty. What's it, Robert Fulgham? Robert Fulgham. Uh, it was on fire when it when I laid down on it. Same guy who wrote everything I knew needed to know. I learned in kindergarten. Mm. Uh, you know, back in the eighties and uh, early nineties, he was writing those books. Um, um, man, I really enjoy reading 
anything by Stephen King. Mm-hmm. I think he's you're a fiction reader. I love fiction, okay. and, but more I, I like his books more than anybody. Yeah, and he has a book on writing. Oh, that really? Is really, I think. I mean, it can it, any kind of writing that you do, whether it's I I, I like to write short stories and I, oh, you really? know yeah. Is there a book a book of short stories in your maybe future? maybe I don't mm-hmm. know. It's really just more of a thing that I can do so I can yeah. waste some time. Yeah, and um, but. But I think the way he talks about writing and about, you know, the things that you omit being almost as important as the things that you write. Mm-hmm. Um, There's truth in that. Um, uh, yeah. You, you know, how how many, you know, takes this long to describe something. Can we take out half the words and say the same thing? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I imply, I, I imply, I apply that to almost all my writing. Your writing. So, especially songwriting. How many, we don't have to say it in that many words. Mm-hmm. Right, um, Tom Petty. Don't don't bore us. Get to the chorus. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And um, that's a great way to put it. Um, God rest his soul. God damn, he was important. Um, but yeah, um, Stephen King's great. Robert Fulgham. Um, man, I love Tolkien. Uh, I love reading, going back and reading. Um, the uh, the earlier stuff um like uh lord of the rings and the hobbit you know um those were those are like my first fantasy as far as spirituality i love c.s lewis mm-hmm. love c.s lewis screw tape letters tremendous imagination it took yeah. to write the screw and you tape still letters. read that now and you're like this yes. is so relevant yeah, it's so exciting right because yeah. he's writing these yeah i mean i don't want to spoiler on what screw tape's about but man um yeah, my dad turned me on to that stuff. I love Chronicles of Narnia. I love mm-hmm. fantasy. Yeah, you like the you appreciate uh, yeah. story. Yeah, a great. Yeah, yeah, give me something that's good. Give me a lot of a lot of a lot of layers. Cool. Uh, what is? Do you have a routine? Are you a routine guy? I get up at the same time, I eat this, I make this. Or are you kind of what? Pretty much. Yeah, I'm a I I'm early, early early riser. You early are? go to bed. You probably used to not be an early riser. No, I mean, no. There's no doubt. When I was younger, I didn't. I was, you know, um, yeah, stay up as late as I could and sleep all day. But, um, no, since I've been 40 or so, I, I, I get up really early and, um, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't drink coffee in the summer. Oh, really? That's too hot. Uh-huh. And I'm too big and it makes me sweat. Um, uh, but usually, you know, once it gets down to, into the sixties at night, I'll, I'll drink coffee in the morning, leave the door open. Mm-hmm. I do a little reading. Um, I love to meditate. Mm-hmm. Um, you meditate every yep, morning yep, or, or every, most? Yep, every almost. Yeah, I'd say most every day. Um, I do my, you know, I go to, I go to see my group of people that I love, and um, off we go in the day. I go to the grocery store for the family. I'm the I'm you're that the guy. grocery store. Absolutely, I like to cook. I cook a lot. Uh-huh. Uh, we had steaks and polenta. Oh, there you last go. Last night with salad and um, what else did we have? Oh, we had some ice cream, brambleberry. There you so, go. Yeah, 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 I'm a fruity. Um, uh, I mean, I, I like to write at least once a week. I have to get into my, I have a journal, and I have to get into that at least once a week and write. And is that is that like self-reflection, or is it or is it to-dos, or is it I'm just prose, I'm writing song of, ideas? A lot of self, and sometimes it's just funny ideas. I mean, mm-hmm. I wrote a, just wrote a, like a, 
I don't know, a little, little short story on how to drop your iPhone and the impacts of dropping your iPhone <laughs> globally. I mean, okay. I didn't really kind of have to stretch out to get that one, but uh -huh. um, I, I don't know. I write, I wrote a story called The Party Pooper about a guy who, um, he's, a, he's a, a contract killer, right? And so instead of shooting people, he destroys their lives to a point where they end up taking their own, taking themselves out, right? So it creates all this intense pressure around them, uh -huh. like, you know, false implications of impropriety and, you know, philanderism. And, and then they just like their whole life crumbles. And they, yeah. So but, you're writing like stories and like, you're, love, yeah, you're my just brain's like, funny. It's a funny, yeah, it's a good place I to think be. That's a great, it's a funny place to live. I think that's a great glimpse into your brain, honestly. Like, like in, in, when you think of that <laughs> in context of, of the music, and the art and the like and then i'm also like you you just you're like i'm you just got a lot going on you got to get it out and my imagination is by far the most fun part of my own your experience you think that's kind of like right right and i was i've been that way all, forever like i mean man yeah i i love i love playing around in the fantasy side of my life and when you open your there's also like a a an a learned skill to that like you can have it but if you don't open it up or or have the discipline to sit in front of a journal and or get yeah, in front of a canvas better, you'd better get... use it it does it does weaken mm -hmm. it doesn't go away yeah but it's better when you use it when a lot it. yeah um okay final question what does uh what what does legacy mean for you what do you want sorry sorry there what what, what is rainy like? green and Kellis green and what do you want them to remember, like remember or take away from like what you've done or given them or taught them or respect, integrity, courage, compassion, I don't know, imagination. You feel like you, you feel like I've done it like that's. Well, I think I've tried to tell them that's the, that's the root, mm -hmm. right? That's the things that hold the tree on the ground. Those are the, mm -hmm. those are the, those are the big things. Um, I think I've told him that, you know, mm -hmm. I haven't always been the brightest shining example of that by any stretch, but, yeah. um, man, I, I mean, they're there, they're, mm -hmm. they're moving, they're going They're and they're good kids. Yeah. And that's your most, like, I'm most proud of, of that. Man, the only thing that matters in, in all of this is my family, mm -hmm. my wife and kids. Yeah. There's nothing else. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks for being on here. Jamie, we, we covered right. a lot. It's my pleasure, man. Yeah, this, I think we covered it all. This, this, was, this you know, was fun. Other than I was born in San Antonio, Texas, April 5th, 1972. We covered everything else. We can, take, we can go back to that. <laughs> no, no, no. We're good. <laughs> that was awesome, man. I appreciate you. All right. Thanks Pat. for having me on. Yeah. Congratulations. You made it all the way to the end. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Stories with Soul. If you enjoyed the interview and like what you heard, please help us out and share, subscribe, and like anywhere you listen to podcasts. When you share and subscribe, it is insanely helpful and allows us to keep producing new episodes. You can always join us directly in the studio by watching the video version on our website, sixthavstorytelling.com. Stories with Soul is brought to you by Sixth Ave Storytelling, an organic marketing company building standout brands on the foundation of story. You're obsessed with your business and we want to make the world obsessed with it too. Thanks for listening.